Got to keep your computers locked up in a closet somewhere so people can't see your data. <laughs> no thoughts, Mark? How's the baseball uh, game going? <laughs> the Red Sox just won. Okay. <laughs> Literally, as you ask that question. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 218 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined as usual by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Hello. All right. So yeah, we just have a couple of uh, quick follow-up things here. Um, I mentioned last week that I, I saw a post about um, uh, from New York Times that uh, Amber Mack had put on her uh, her um, mail list or LinkedIn, I believe, about not using Facebook. And it just basically talks about the, the if you're using, you know, if you were had used any apps to uh, use, like use the Facebook login on any apps. Obviously, that's I think it's kind of what we surmised it might have been about. Um, that was probably not a good thing to do in retrospect, considering all the breaches that uh, Facebook's gone through in the last little while. So, and I, I checked my Facebook profile just before recording, and I think I, had, I have four active um, apps that I used Facebook login. I tend to like if whenever I'm presented with a Google or Facebook login, I'd rather use password and, and my own email and password and manage that in in, in one password myself than sort of hand off that responsibility to somebody else, even though theoretically it's supposed to be easier, you know? I think the advice from the folks on, on this podcast is, you know, try not to use Facebook as a login mechanism if you can. I know it was easy to put in there because of their SDKs in the past, but not such a good idea in retrospect. The other thing was uh, just a quick story here that, uh, and this is on, I saw this, actually, Jaime, I have to thank Jaime for this one because uh, I saw his tweet about from Daring Fireball about um, Tim Cook apparently is asking for, asking Bloomberg to retract its story about Chinese spy chips. And I've got a couple of links here about uh, some follow-up discussion on that um, about, uh, what's AWS CEO? Oh, I guess this is the Amazon CEO is also asking for the same thing, right? Yeah, it's a little confusing because uh, it's not Jeff Bezos. So it is, uh, I think, retail and AWS, the Amazon Web Services, are split up slightly differently. So there is a CEO of AWS, not to be confused yeah, with Andy Jeff. Jassy, according it's, to this, yeah. Yeah, it yep. it's, kind of reminds me of Boeing, where Boeing had its you know primary CEO, uh, Jim McNerney at the time, and it had like four different sub-CEOs that were like one for commercial airplanes, one for defense systems, and so on and so forth. So I think they have probably split up the company in, in a similar structure. And, like, and then we, like we mentioned when we brought the story up, I think it was last week, that uh, it's kind of unusual for Apple to even make a statement about this kind of stuff. They kind of usually stay low-key on these kind of things. But I think, you know, this is such a blatant, uh, um, I don't know, false fact. I guess fake news is the best way to call it. But um, they, yeah, just completely fabricated. So um, Apple stepped up and said, you know, this is... I'm surprised they haven't sent a lawyer's letter over to Bloomberg to say, you know, cease and desist like they normally do, right? Yeah, but, they yeah. were saying, um, I can't remember if it was that particular article, but it was certainly a, wow, this is really unprecedented for Apple to come out. Uh, swinging yeah. the way it has and likewise amazon has come out in the same way and you know there's been a lot of talk in the press about like you know nobody's really corroborated this you know you would think by now normally the uh the people who would be um uh, sources for this sort of thing would feel a little bit more safe and like all right well now the, the word's out there now i can say uh, my angle to you know the other uh, journalist and nobody's been able to really put this together the same way that bloomberg did so it increasingly feels like 
like somebody really, really, really messed up over there. And um, I, I guess we'll keep an eye on what's happening here. There's absolutely no evidence that it actually happened. I mean, all they have to do is find find one and do you know do some you know failure analysis kind of work to to take a you know a picture close up of 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 the of the chip, and there you go, <laughs> you got the proof. But there is absolutely no proof, so it seems pretty unlikely. Before, like we said before, I think the you know the engineers, some somebody's job at Apple is to is to inspect these things. I'm yeah. sure they wouldn't just yep. throw it up on a shelf blindly and yep. you know just accept it. You know, mm-hmm. yep. okay. So um, and then I guess the rest of the, the, that's it. that's it for the follow up, if you can believe it, folks. But um, I mean, some of these other things are kind of follow up. Um, there's a post here from Gizmodo about um, what they're calling Beauty Gate, uh, where Apple is fixing a problem in the iPhone XS and 10 and 10R. Same before the show, I'm still having trouble seeing 10R. But um, uh, apparently, the the they had a I guess a photo mode which would sort of beautify uh, photographs um, to make them look better uh, and something that's common apparently in Asian phones. But um, Apple got a little heavy-handed with it apparently, and uh, so there's a picture of uh, somebody took a picture of a cappuccino and uh, the foam on the cappuccino gets smoothed over, like you know it's sort of a um, like it, it's an effect they use in in, um, in Hollywood movies and stuff like that. They used to use it with starlets where they would you know almost put like a nylon stocking over the front of the lens to make to sort of soften the image, you know. Mm. So if you ever watch an old movie from like the 60s and 70s and you look at the guy and he's like, you know, in sharp focus and you look at the girl, she's all blurry and out of focus and um, apparently it smooths over. It's the reverse of, of uh, what do we call high-res? What do we call the high-res movies now? Um, high def, right? Uh, yeah, apparently they're, they're, and this is coming out in the in the update uh, 12.1, which I believe is out already, right? 12.1? 12.01 is out. 12.1 is in oh, beta, okay. I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, just a quick article on, on, uh, on The Verge about this particular story and I think that they said that it's already in developers' hands so they can start testing it, according to the article, anyway, from a couple of days ago. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that that made it out into production. I mean, it's not unreasonable to have bugs when you uh, go to market with stuff, but I'm a little bit surprised that one where, you know, you noticeably smooth over, like, people's faces and say you just tested taking a selfie. That I wonder what was going on there, where it was deciding to throw in a mode or some other processing that wasn't supposed to be triggered. Yeah. Well, did they talk about that in, in the keynote and stuff, or in the announcement? That one's like in some of the photo enhancements, right? I, I'm not sure, but it would certainly seem to make sense with their big emphasis on the post-processing, you know, software-based processing stuff that they do for uh, photography nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And and it's mm-hmm. apparently specific to the 10s and 10R, so it, it seems like it's triggered by something in uh, either that hardware configuration or software that is enabled for that hardware configuration. Right. Have you uh, have you tried that out at all at uh, at home to try reproducing um, what they're I haven't. About? No, I've got two. I've got these two models at phones at, at the office. I'll, I'll have to remember and try and do it tomorrow. Maybe yeah, I have one. I have a, t- a Max that I carry around with me in my in my kit. So, but I haven't done much photography with it. Yeah, I'm very curious to see as you were talking about the um, the old like nylon or Vaseline on the lens trick. I wonder if it ends right, up looking yeah, yeah. like those uh, 1960s episodes of Star Trek where you'd see Captain <laughs> Kirk right. beautifully crisp and clear for you know the era, and then the ladies are like yeah, dreamy and, and they're like standing woman, yeah. right next to him, but they just pan over, and she gets you know boggy looking well it's like mud's women remember the episode mud's women mm-hmm. on the, mm-hmm. the yeah. osc yeah. tos yeah they were always you know you know the music would play and you know you just fall in love with them by looking at them kind of thing that kind of effect that's a good example i hadn't thought about star trek all right the next one is uh quickie and this is i think uh part of 
the JetBrains um, research, but this is a short link right to the Swift and Objective-C usage. Um, you know, kind of every year we kind of look at these numbers and take a look at what people are doing. And uh, so this is just covering off between um, surveying, and this is just or, uh, displaying the results of developers who claim to have Swift and Objective-C as, as their primary languages, sort of where we are in terms of the ecosystem. Um, according to the numbers, 54% are using Swift exclusively, and then 30% still are using Objective-C only. And then the mixed uh, people with mixed uh, code are, are about 16%, which is interesting because I think two years ago, wasn't it only 16% were pure Swift? Kind of interesting switch of numbers. Yeah, I feel yeah. like the, yeah. the march of time has made people start new projects Swift only. And so it's starting to tip the uh, the scales here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I heard something the other day, too, about Swift, too, that, that it wasn't necessarily that it was introduced as a re- replacement for Objective-C, but just as another option of another language to choose, right? Um, even though, you know, I think the whole world is kind of seeing it as, oh, Objective-C is old, we should get rid of it and use Swift. Yeah, so, and then there's some more stats here, like 20... Uh, this is similar to that chart we saw last week, because there's a gray bar here. Um, what was it we were talking... Was it JetBeans we were talking about last week with the stats? I, I think it was the same article we were talking about. Is it really? Week. No. Yeah. Can't be. <laughs> well, if you guys think this same thing i was kind of wondering that myself yeah i think it is really yeah let me have a look uh, maybe the titling is different i don't uh, remember that but... dog at the top but maybe i didn't have my window quite as wide yeah. and maybe it, it moves into place or something yeah this is your pick wasn't it mark from a couple of weeks ago no i remember you t- oh no it was harmonies let me just have a look here i don't know maybe they're all using the same oh yeah same i see it now in uh, episode 216 you go to main topics the second topic mm-hmm. is it the same title it looks like it's the same link i think same the link. address is the same mm-hmm. wait a second who organized this document oh there we go you could just cut and paste that 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 right. audio segment from the other episode Never and see mind. if people even notice. <laughs> people will be going and say, like, wait a minute, didn't they talk about this already? Well, I don't know if you remember Emily Latella from Saturday Night Live. Never mind. Okay. I just thought it was interesting. I, I guess maybe I just saw it with fresh eyes or something. It just seemed to be... Uh, and we actually talked about this same article, exactly. Same stats and everything. Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. I think we glanced over it. Because uh, remember, remember I was talking about how I was surprised at the C++ usage. Yeah, right. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I don't remember these all these rings. You sure? You sure it hasn't the format hasn't changed? Mm, pretty sure. Yeah. All right. But you don't remember the dog though, Jaime? No. For some reason, I don't remember the dog at the top of the article. So I wonder if that was a new adornment, or if I just didn't. You know, if it's like a responsive web design, maybe I didn't have my yeah. window open all the way, and it decides to pop into play at that point. Yeah, I don't know how I saw this. One. I can't remember how I saw this article or what what drew me to it. Oh well. All right, moving on. <laughs> That's funny. I kind of sworn it was. Brand new article. All right, um, that's me stealing Jaime Hi- 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 links again. Um, all right, well, I mean, Jaime, get the next one. Once you uh, lead into it, yeah, this is uh, sort of a, a tale of two halves. The the first half, um, both bits talking about um, supply chain analysts. Ming Chi Kuo is uh, talking about what will happen in the f- near future here. Um, let's talk about October thirtieth because that's coming up rather soon. So supposedly, we'll get a pair of updated iPad Pros uh, that will replace uh, the existing ones we have with uh, rumored Face ID integration, reduced bezels, you know, the notch thing. And uh, supposedly USB-C support, um, not so much as a charger, but people are saying that it's probably to allow for, um, let's say, like uh, camera connection sort of thing. Where you could, I uh, saw the other day you can get an Apple Watch with USB-C now, too. Didn't you see that? Or maybe it's a so, ca- charger cable? Like, like the, the charging end of the cable, I would guess, is what that is? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that that would be kind of nice because people have, you know, Mac Pros, or sorry, uh, MacBook Pros um, with the yeah, yeah. USB-C endpoint in there. You don't have to have an adapter or a separate thing. Um, this one is supposedly as an input for, I don't know, presumably external drives, or if you remember like the uh, camera support stuff that you could have that right, little yeah. dongle and connect like a, mm-hmm. uh, a digital camera 
camera or like an SD card reader sort of thing. People are saying that's what it's probably going to be. Um, the second item is a new Apple Pencil, which supposedly will have an all-new design. And there's speculation that uh, maybe that will mean support for USB-C, given the iPad rumors. And then also, supposedly, some new Macs, including a low-priced MacBook. And spec bumps for the iMac and the um, woefully long-neglected Mac Mini. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we can focus on, on October 30th, and then we'll come back to the, the second half of this article. Sure. Well, actually, look, we've got another um, article down lower talking about the, the new Mac specifically because the Apple registered um, some devices with a European group, um, Eurasian Economic Commission. I guess they have to register them in advance of uh, publishing them or something. So there's a whole slew of um, Apple model numbers that re- that you know back up the story about new iMacs uh, possibly and a and a Mac Mini. Right? Did you see that one? Yeah, I see a whole bunch of numbers. Do the numbers mean anything in particular? Like, is there a, a name? No, not really. They're, they're sort of, when they're grouped like that, like 14, 18, 14, 19, those, those may be two different sizes of the same device, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I did hear also that there's, like, there's a, we think there's a pretty pretty much a new low-cost Mac uh, MacBook because that's supposedly the Air is either being re- updated next year or it's being removed, one of the two, right? Yeah, um, it, it, it certainly seems like it's about time for something to happen there. Yeah, because, well, it's been 20, 30, it's been five years since the Airs, the MacBook Airs had an update, right? Yeah, it's getting a little yeah. long of the tooth, and if they're going to, you know, keep that particular layout and configuration, um, they'll need at least do spec bumps, I would guess. Or if they've gotten to the point where um, the MacBook can just replace it in, you know, some sort of for, uh, format configuration, that'd be good. Well, also Touch ID would be nice. So, so the MacBook, the MacBook um, Pro 13 with the one that didn't have Touch ID or the Touch Bar, that one's no longer available, right? Did you guys notice that? I'd have to look at the store. I'm not. Is that right? You know, I'll take your I word think for it. So I know I, I I vaguely remember somebody mentioning it to me the other day and or a couple weeks ago, months ago, maybe. Um, let me have a quick look. Um, what do you think the chances are of, of an iPad Pro with both a Lightning and a USB-C port? Doubtful. I think they'd probably, they'd, they'd probably go one way or the other, right? Yeah, but on an iPad, you could fit it. It's not... Yeah. Oh, I see crazy. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I gotta say, though, I'm, I'm having... I'm, I'm finding the USB-C as, as a very bad idea for Apple. I mean, because because we have to clear our desks off every day. You know, we don't have, like, necessarily assigned seating. Mm-hmm. Um, I am always unplugging my dongles every day, and I'm finding that on the left-hand side, which is where I tend to plug my my you know my for my my extra monitor and my power power supply, those two USBs because they've been unplugged and for like a year now are, are starting to get really sad and you know mm. the video doesn't necessarily kick in all the time and so I think it's a bad interface in terms of longevity like it's not as strong or well put together as as the DisplayPort was the mini mm. DisplayPort you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or even FireWire for that matter and the original FireWire used to have problems like that too right or if you remember or the, the Mag Power thing right. The MagSafe thing? Yeah. You had trouble with that? No, 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 no. I'm saying no, it was good compared to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. MagSafe was better. MagSafe was way better, yeah. 13-inch mm-hmm. model. Let's have a look here. Oh, no, you're right. I do see that. I do see the one with the three buttons, or the, the escape button. We'll call it the escape button, MacBook 13 Pro, <laughs> whatever. Okay, well, I guess it's still there. Take that back. Never mind. Um, all right, so back to the back to your October 30th um, and your discussion about your link here, Jaime. Yeah, I mean, these all seem like reasonable things to be coming out in October 30th. They're having an event. I have to remind myself it is October 30th at 10 a.m., but it's in New York and it's oh, right. yeah, local yeah, yeah. time there. So, oh, so it's 7 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. What do they think? It's bad for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. Why didn't they Why didn't they just do it at 10 a.m.? What is it like after lunch? It's one o'clock. Fine. New Yorkers are still awake. <laughs> We're falling asleep after lunch. Come on. Give your head a shake. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Well, we've got another week to go before we see that. And that's a Friday, right? No, it's a Wednesday. No, it's a Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah, because Halloween is Wednesday. Right, right. Cool. Well, be interesting to see. Not that much of a long, long wait for uh, to see what will happen. Yeah, and their their invites came out with a whole bunch of um, wildly different designed Apple logos. Yeah, what's that about? Like different, uh, like a multimedia. I mean, I get what that's things. about. I mean, as an artist, but I don't, I don't understand what what that's about really. What's the what's the hidden meaning? Or I mean, maybe it, or maybe it means nothing. <laughs> well, maybe or maybe it means yeah, maybe it means that you can you can get the tools and express yourself in your, in your own unique way, which is what that those logos kind of imply, right? There's yeah, you know, and there's twenty seven logos. Maybe it means there's eight different products coming out. Well, there's more than that. There's like twenty four, forty eight, something like I've seen variations of the of the logo. Oh, right. right? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, only, yeah. I only saw the, the smaller sheets. eight one that Mark's talking about. There's a larger yeah, yeah contact no, I, sheet saw, style. I saw maybe somebody was goofing around on Twitter, or whatever. But I saw a whole pack of uh, different logos coming out. Hmm. Maybe maybe somebody was just playing around with the idea of, of uh, different types of artistic expression for it, right? Composition. I it could totally make sense, given that, you know, they've got new iPad Pros and presumably a new Pencil. That's a really good opportunity for them to bring Adobe up on the stage and say, hey, look, iPad right. Photoshop. now has Photoshop, yeah. just to remind you. Yeah, Photoshop. More subscriptions. All right. Yeah, but there, there's other things. So the other bit that Ming-Chi Kuo is talking about is what is not going to be talked about in October. And uh, he claims that this is going to happen sometime in 2019 and this article doesn't call it out but i'd seen a version of this article that said that it was going to be really early like february march time frame that would be talking about a ipad mini upgrade which apparently the last upgrade was in 2015 um and also the uh possibly the air power charging mat and maybe what's those, that what's that about the air power mat <laughs> yeah <laughs> the air superiority mat is the the one that has been more than a year if folks want to recall right. where it's like this chi charging mat that you could just put all three of your devices in any configuration it would work just seamlessly fine apparently they've had some sort of hardware trouble with things overheating so they've tried to fix that however it is and okay um what are the three devices you can put on the watch sorry the watch the phone and watch phone oh, the ear the ear things box. those yeah. things i can't pronounce yeah, yeah. The, the airpods also supposed to come out with an update with a um the charging case that'll be wirelessly chargeable using right stuff like the air, air power mat hmm. but of course there's still no word about the mac pro yeah yeah, yeah which is due in 2019 but i guess yeah. december 31st 2019 is still 2019. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, so which will come up first, the Mac Pro or the uh, the next George R. R. Martin Game of Thrones book? That's now. Mm, I'm going to go with the Mac later. Pro. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Mac Pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. think I'll do that too. Um, just given the, the pacing, and he likes to he likes to go off and do other things. Like, hey, I've got this short story for someone. Like, no, 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 please, please don't. <laughs> now, before anyone, write, before anyone writes in, I know that he's about to have an, a new book coming out in the in the universe of Game of Thrones, but it's not the long-awaited uh, Winds. Oh, really? Book. Yeah, uh. it's it's a it's not a it's kind of like that one that came out uh, that was sort of a history of of the world. It's uh, okay. This one's kind of like that. It's a history of the Targaryen kings, and it's not so much a novel. Okay. Well, maybe he sent the the DNA samples into ancestry DNA, and he's waiting for the results back. Maybe. Yeah. yeah it's a bit of a spoiler there for people. All right. Anything else coming out next week Tommy, or not coming out next week no i think that was everything if i i saw all the points in the article so no ipad mini no air power thing what's it called air power 
Lord. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Wow. How about that? Um, and we are expecting, uh, according to this article, two iPad Pros with Face ID, a new Apple Pencil, not with Face ID, all new design. Well, what will that mean? Um, will it be like more easier to hold on to? That's one of the complaints I've heard from artists about using the uh, Apple Pencil. And uh, a new low price, loop, low priced, low price Mac. And no HomePod 2 either. Right. One and done, eh, Jaime? That's, that's yeah. what I really do think. It's a one and done device. <laughs> yeah. And the, well, I mean, they did that with the Bo- the Bose speaker 2 thing that they had back in the day, right? They, they did one version of that, was around for a couple of years, and then it just kind of didn't get put on the shelf after a few a few years cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah, so, and the last thing was uh, a couple of new iMac, but with speed bumps and a Mac mini. So, is that eight things? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's six things, seven things, I guess. Close enough to eight, I guess. All right. That may be what the eight logos are about, yeah. after all. Well, if you count uh, cellular versions of the iPods, as well as uh, just the Wi-Fi, that's four. Pencils, five. MacBook is six. And a new iMac is seven. And a new, and a new Mac mini is eight, maybe. Yeah, a colleague, colleague of mine went to the Mobile World something or other in LA, I think, um, a couple of months ago. Oh, mm-hmm. And they were talking about uh, 5G. Have you guys heard anything about 5G? Yeah, like, people uh, are talking about it. Yep. Yeah? Yep, it's on the way. So, I'm not exactly sure when it's coming, but it's on the way. Right, okay. Yeah, like 20 gigabyte speeds or whatever. Yeah, I don't think it'll be till... Gigabits, probably, maybe. Certainly not before 2020, I don't think. Maybe even later. Really? Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking about when they're going to have to up, up the uh, speeds on the iPhones, right? Um, maybe that's why this is a nice year, Jaime. Who knows? All right. So, we, what do you got another article here about IBM? What are they, what's going on here? IBM has uh, apparently open-sourced its uh, Mac at IBM provisioning code for um, provisioning Mac-related uh, stuff. So, if you're thinking about enterprise provisioning, which we've definitely talked on the show about um, at the Jamf, uh, Jamf Nation user conference, IBM uh, talked about um, open source in this and, and how they're dealing with that. And I think a couple of years ago, we talked about um, IBM had done some sort of study about the yeah. total uh, total cost of ownership, TCO. That's the word I was looking for. And how Apple products were cheaper to manage because they tended not to have terrible things happen to them, even though their initial outlay of cost was uh, more expensive. Um, yeah. And part of it is the, the provisioning sort of story, which uh, I'm familiar with the fact that Jamf Nation does um, something related to this. It's not really my area. I know there are competitive products, but um, if nothing else, IBM has released their bid, and it seemed like it would make a lot of sense. They probably do a lot of these uh, provisioning and deployments for you know, their customers as part of de- uh, you know personnel deployments uh, for larger companies. So I'd have to imagine it's pretty well um, battle tested for that. So it's it's really cool that they've they've done that. It's it's good for them to give back to the community. Yeah, they talk, we talked about this a couple of months ago because the the talk from the guy who's in charge of the uh, the the VP in charge of deployment of equipment deployment um, is big on the. I mean, he's he's been one over by this whole Jamf and Apple thing at IBM. Um, basically, they, they went to um, user based choice, like in terms of letting the users decide whether they wanted Apple versus Android and Windows and Mac. And you know, in the article here, where they were from zero to three thirty thousand Macs in six months, and in twenty sixteen they upped it to over a hundred thousand. So, and they're saving you know anywhere between two sixty five and five hundred dollars on average between um, in terms of support costs. So it makes a good argument when you're talking about that many machines, right? Um, and IBM is it's it's you literally show up, you get a new job at IBM or you get a new position at IBM. They send you a Mac and a, and a web address, and you go in and you you know enter that in and enter your your credentials, and it just sets the Mac up for you. You know, no matter where you are, whether you're inside the network or outside. So that's really like based on our experience and other banks I've talked to in Toronto about how their uh, you know experience with Jamf and, and other things are going with a mobile device 
management, what or enterprise device management is also called. Um, the IBM one is like super slick in terms of how it works. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it's uh, be nice to be able to try and play around with it, but uh, not many of us can can have that opportunity. But that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, as, as you're going to seriously abuse the 14 day return, no questions asked policy at the <laughs> Apple Store, and you go <laughs> buy like 30 of these and try out, like, oh, it's great. All right, returning all these things now. Yeah, actually, the way it works is is you have uh, what they call a device enrollment program or DEP, and um, when a corporation buys a, a Mac from Apple, they um, enroll it in this DEP program, so it automatically belongs to the enterprise that so the the Mac identifies it as being identifies itself as being owned by that that enterprise. So when you go to enroll it, um, and you it basically recognizes that it's on the network, the corporate network or whatever, it recognizes that it's a DEP. It's like the auto discover on on Windows side, you know, it, it automatically realizes, oh, this is going to be managed by your, your corporation, and then it enrolls itself and doesn't ask you any of those other questions that you normally get when you onboard onto a Mac, right? So normally, but it's kind of cool when it when it works is really slick. It's just you know, you just punch in your your user credentials and everything gets set up for you, right? So yeah, but uh, and it's and from an enterprise point of view, the fact that you're controlling the Macs and you know where they are and you know what's installed on them and what they're being used for, it's uh, pretty slick. And it's funny, I was talking to um, a colleague. He's um, uh, works with us. Uh, he's a, a vendor. And we were talking, we were walking, we lives in my neighborhood, so we were walking home the other day and just talking about, chatting about the Macs and about his experience with, you know, computers in general. And he said, you know, it's funny, like he started out as a Windows developer or, or Windows machine user, like developing, writing websites and whatever. And uh, he switched over to Macs a few years ago and he says he's amazed, like this is his comment. He said, I'm amazed at how um, resilient the Macs are. Like, you know, they just continue to keep going. They're still working. They're still viable after three years. He says, I couldn't imagine owning a Windows laptop for longer than a year at a time without having to refresh it somehow, right? They'll get a new one, in other words, right? That's a good endorsement for, for Mac. And I think those of us who have been using for years know this, know this to be true, right? I'm, I'm rocking a five-year-old MacBook Air right now, right? So mm-hmm. still, still ticking. Need a bigger hard drive, but I'm still doing okay. That's cool. Yeah, be neat to be, like I said, it would be neat to play around with that. But, you know, the entry entry point for that is to play around is a little little steep. But I will definitely pass this on to our folks in the enterprise. But right, you got another one here, Jaime, about uh, from Mr. Cook? Yeah, the, I almost almost put this in the follow-up section, given that uh, in the, the great spirit of it, eventually everything is follow-up. Um, remember we talked about Apple uh, providing GDPR, you know, data download stuff for the European Union and right, yeah. whenever that came out, and then probably in May, I would guess. And then just last episode, we said, hey, Apple has now made it available to at least the U.S. No idea if they opened it to other countries. Um, maybe that was in, um, in preparation for Tim Cook, who apparently went to go speak at the International Conference of Data Protection and privacy commissioners in Brussels. Uh, and he implored that the uh, U.S. government should pass a comprehensive federal privacy law and um, put something in place very, very similar, uh, if not exactly the same, as the uh, General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR from Europe. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting that uh, he was pushing so hard for this. It uh, it kind of doesn't surprise me, given Apple's corporate feelings uh, about privacy and, and a lot of the stuff they go through to uh, protect users' privacy. They've certainly gone to battle with with large governments, uh, like you know, battling to some lesser degree with uh, uh, with China, very strongly with the United States government in terms of uh, unlocking or not devices and, and other bits, um, and this seems to go like really, really in by, uh, in line with that sort of thinking that they are sort of pulling the, the the pendulum back, right? We we talked about even earlier in the show that like, hey, we gave 
all sorts of data to Facebook, and they didn't do the um, the greatest job of, of uh, you know protecting the keys to the kingdom there. Um, quite an opposite to, to Apple, where it's like, well, there's no there's no keys to have. It's uh, it's all securely protected. Uh, sometimes even from us, even Apple doesn't see it. So um, very very interesting to, to see that he came out with this uh, so strongly. And uh, I'll be very interested to see where, if anything, uh, things go from here. Yeah, it's interesting at the at the end of this article you got here that um, former Facebook security chief Alex Stamos from uh, responded to Co- uh, Tim Cook on Twitter today, questioning Apple's commitment to privacy in China. In fact, right, which is a tough market. I, I don't know. It's just you know the whole um, Skynetty kind of way that uh, these companies can can you know control our lives and you know treat us as sheep and um, dig into our you know our data because we get we let them in a little bit, right? So where they used to call it opening the kimono kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and people used to say that uh, data is the new oil, likening it to the right, right. the Rockefeller and Vanderbilt days of the oil barons. But uh, I, I'd say it's it's still true, even though it seems like the luster has gone off a little bit and people are a little bit less interested in investing in uh, you know data and analytics plays because the upside is not quite as high because of things like GDPR in Europe. And I'm sure it would be even worse for those investors if the United States, another large market, was to say, hey, guess what? We have a GDPR as well. But I think it's still true. And uh, you know, longtime listeners of the show have heard me say this before, but like, yeah, data still is the new oil. Oil is dangerous and it needs to be regulated. You can't just, you know, have spigots right. coming out of the ground spewing, you know, Texas tea all over uh, the neighborhood. You got to have some, you know, some people who know what they're doing and regulations about like, this is how you do it so that bad things don't happen. And here are the consequences if those things do happen. Yeah. I think we're, we're, we're getting there. The, the European GDPR seems a little far. They, they see a lot of silliness and nuttiness on websites. I'm like, all right, yeah. you agree that we use cookies, right? I'm like, sure, whatever. Just looking at this like recipe site, you're not going to be tracking anything serious for me here. But, you know, it, 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 with some nuance and refinement, I think it could be a sensible protection for users and also without being annoying. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. If we, have we ever talked about mineral rights on this show? You know what I mean? I don't by know that? that we ever have. And if we have, it was certainly a long time ago. But it's kind of, it's kind of, I think sometimes of, of you know, our, you know, it's kind of like uh, the t- turning the tables on us by saying, well, it's a privilege to use Facebook. It's a privilege to use Google. And therefore we're going to, you know, like, like early in the day of using Gmail, you know, you were giving Google the right to sort of pour through your, your mail. Not, I think it's different on the business side of, uh, you know, Google for business, but you know, that whole sort of disclaimer that you sign, you agree to that says, you know, in order to help Google build up its search engines and it's, you know, search mechanisms, they'll, you know, let, let you read through it, your email. Right. Um, and the whole idea behind mineral rights, as you probably know, is that you can own a piece of land, but if you don't own the mineral rights and somebody discovers oil or gold or silver underneath your land, they, they have the right to go and dig up your land. I don't know if that's true in the United States, but I've heard of it in Canada that they can, if somebody has mineral rights to your property, even though you may own it and it may have been in your family for hundreds of years, um, you don't have the rights to what's under the ground kind of thing, right? And it's sort of, I think it's, I think it's analogous to the, you know, the who owns the data, right? Like it's your data, but the ones and zeros are sitting on their servers, right? Yeah, that I never really had thought about looking at it as um, mineral rights for homeownership and uh, and I suppose the opposite <laughs> direction for like air uh, airspace rights, which, you right, know, yeah. I, I, just like you're saying there that I would not have owned, you know, underneath uh, a house. I certainly would not own the sky either and the FAA would control that here in the United States. That's true, but then you also get this airspace thing where, you know, a Russian plane will fly into American airspace and, you know, a bunch of F-16s will get mad about it, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Got to keep your computers locked up in a closet somewhere so people can't see your data. <laughs> 
No thoughts, Mark? How's the baseball uh, game going? The Red Sox just won. Okay. <laughs> Literally, as you asked that question, they it was the third out in the top of the ninth, and the Red Sox won 4-2. to two. Way to so go, they Red now, They now lead the series 2-0. Two to, two to right. Well, that's good. And it moves to L.A. Right. I, was, I was actually thinking of going down there for a game, but the tickets are insanely expensive. Like, yeah, I saw something on... Uh, on- in your StubHub, I saw something on them today about, about yeah. baseball tickets. I didn't even look. A couple thousand bucks for decent seats. Kind of, really? Kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. But would you just go just to be in the stands? Like, just get the cheapest seat you can and the cheap, be there? The cheapest seats are still like six or seven hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. Stand, standing room only in Boston for seven hundred. I have no idea what the equivalent yeah. is in LA. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I'd rather be golfing with the Blue Jays. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. They're playing golf right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, any thoughts on, on data privacy and and uh mineral rights mark um yeah i mean it's a it's a it's an interesting topic i mean it's it's something that's you know gonna i think gonna come up more and more over time it's interesting uh yeah i i worked at a at a uh startup a couple years back that i've I've probably mentioned a few times that was about uh social networking networking for college students and and Mm -hmm. it was it was pretty amazing how those students who are users just didn't care about their data or anything uh privacy just was not an issue that they cared about and i don't i don't really know whether it was just because you know they were they were young they were called students they just didn't know any better or if it's a generational thing uh I, yeah and i've heard this before that millennials don't really care so much about privacy they don't have an expectation right, of privacy right. as much as some of the uh the older generations do so it, i mean it's certainly possible that the world is just changing into a it, it's morphing into a place where privacy is just not a thing uh and you know maybe you know, you know there'll be security for financial stuff but uh or other you know other very critical things but but you know what you do is uh is just you know public knowledge and people are will accept that it's possible i don't know i personally don't want to live in a world like that but uh you know but uh i, I guess uh the times there are changing right i, I guess it, can, it comes to, down to a question do are, are we going to evolve into a society like you see on the original star trek episodes you know where you know votes are, or wars are fought on computers where it's just you're just a statistic you're just a statistic in a computer and oops you've been killed and then you have to go off and get your put yourself into a disintegrator machine and or you know the societies where the, the, they're so crowded that you know just to have a little bit of space to themselves you know for five minutes is like glorious and what have you you know and it's is it like does does this sort of you know lackadaisical attitude towards my data your data everybody's data lead us into some sort of dystopian computer future right like are we giving away too much are we giving up too much but then yeah, I'm a baby question. boomer right yep yeah, yeah. as a side note there was an interesting um, video I saw the other day about um, a millennial interviewing a um, baby boomer <laughs> for a job. Mm. And they were just back and forth arguing about, you know, whose technology was better and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Until a Gen, Gen X interrupts the meeting and <laughs> they find a common dislike of Gen Xs, right? What's wrong with Gen Xs? I'm a Are Gen you X. one? I'm a Gen X. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it is the tweener in between the millennials and the boomers. So it would make sense that they'd have a, a, an amalgamation of both and end up with the, the cons that neither side likes. Right, I guess, I guess. Oh, somebody posted an article. Well, we did, we already talked about the October 30th, but somebody posted an article here about 5G. 
Yeah, I put that up. I found that just after we spoke about it. Um, sure. Kind of surprisingly, actually, this this article just came out uh, nine, about nine hours ago, uh, mm-hmm. as of today at uh, eight thirty on Wednesday, uh, saying that uh, AT and T's mobile five G network is is imminent. Uh, they're going to roll it out in limited number of cities, so a small number of cities, but in the next few weeks. So I'm I was surprised with that, but I guess it's uh, sooner. It's coming sooner than than we thought. Pretty interesting. Well, I also heard that it's going to be part of your. It's going to be not only your mobile network, but also part of your home network too, potentially, right? Um, I don't know what that's going to do to the cost of uh, data access, but well, so how know, would they roll this out if they have if there's no hardware to support it? Well, I guess there is hardware to support it. Oh, okay, that's that's why it's in limited cities. It'll be you know they'll they'll put the cells out or update their existing cells. Probably you know they they can probably just put in a some kind of a module and uh, and I don't know what kind of phones or other devices can use it yet. But there's a link in your in the article from Qualcomm apparently. Has has, um, been, has been working on some 5G stuff hmm. for 2019. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, the mm-hmm. network has to be up uh, first before they have the, the clients. So I guess this that's is the true. first step. That's true. I remember, well, the, it was the iPhone 4 was the first 4G phone, right? First 4G iPhone. iPhone, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah I thought I it was the 5 that, that had that, the LTE was it five? and, and oh, AT&T it was 4G. Um, yeah, that's true. The, the 4 introduced the retina display. So it was probably was probably right. the 5. That would have been a, yeah. a big change for one model, have both retina and LTE. Yeah, and there was some yeah. other technology around the same time as the uh, iPhone came to Canada, or what it was, between Edge and, I guess what we call 3G now, right? It was CDMI or something like that, or there's two different standards? The well, CDMA? CDMI and GSM are, are, are two competing standards, but um, they're, those are more uh, a, a technology of how of how the, the signals are sent. Uh, right. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for folks. Yeah. How about that? All right. Yeah, and looking at this article, uh, they say part of 12 cities, which there are many more cities than just 12 in the United States. Um, and it looks like these are primarily in uh, the southern part of the United States for the beginning part. They say Atlanta, Houston, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, AT&T's home turf of Dallas, and then more cities, including Vegas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Orlando being added to the mix. So um, even if it is uh, technically available in 2019, uh, it's certainly not going to be broadly available, um, even if we count the major metro areas, leaving out, let's say, Chicago, New York, Seattle, you know, those sorts of bits. But it's coming. It's coming. And uh, if I were to prognosticate, unless the timing works out really, really, really well, I would just assume that, you know, some Android manufacturer somewhere would have the first 5G phone. Um, so I wouldn't expect Apple to be there first. Um, I don't think they were first with, with any of the, the upgrades, but that's usually based on their, you know, um, yearly uh, supply chain cycles and everything. So um, I imagine they'll they'll have something nifty um, either from Intel or if uh, if they uh, kiss and make up with Qualcomm, who they're battling mightily with, uh, maybe there'd be a Qualcomm-based chip in the future, but we'll, we'll see. Mm, interesting. All right. Well, I guess we're at the pick part of the show. So, um, Jaime, do you have a pick? Yes, it is. Uh, it's, it's almost got two halves here. So uh, what we'll have linked in the show notes for those of you driving home is the uh, Twitter thread from Derek Salander, uh, who has his book, The Advanced Apple Debugging and Reverse Engineering from the RayRenderlick.com store. Um, apparently, Xcode 10 has a, a subtle bug in LLDB that ends up breaking part of that book. Um, and if you know Derek, if you've ever seen any of his uh, conference talks, uh, he is definitely not the kind of person who will just sit there and be like, oh, well, file a radar. Like, no, no. He goes sort of step by step here about how he figured out how to uh, find the spot that was broken and end up uh, patching around it. And at the very trail end of this uh, magical mystery tour, he has a link to the uh, GitHub uh, source code where you can run that stuff and patch over that and continue to be happy uh, debugging with LLDB. Uh, so that book is still happy and wonderful, even for Xcode 12. Uh, sorry, 
Xcode 10 in iOS 12. Yeah, what book is that, Jaime? That, once again, is the Advanced Apple Debugging and Reverse Engineering book. All right. Which is coming it, out in version 3, right? It might as well be Voodoo and Magic. Like, you just, you read through the thread. It's it's amazing. I mean, there must be 20 tweets in here in this thread. I, I highly recommend people uh, getting the link yeah. to the show notes and reading it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he did an interesting talk at, uh, at 360 iDev. So our jaws were agape. Um, all right. So my my one, I actually had two, but I can't find the link to the other one. But um, this is something I just I just saw this just before the show, and it was just kind of it was kind of fascinating. Um, and your mileage will definitely vary with this one, but it's an app called Hawkeye Access, and it is from uh, the Future Matt or Matt Moss. Uh, he's been working on it for a while. It uses the uh, the True Depth camera to track your eye movements on. And so and, and basically, so he's got a little calibration routine he runs through at the beginning of the setup, and uh, you can you basically look left, look right, look up, look down, and and uh, your eyes navigate around on the screen, and then you can choose how you want to interact with the thing. So I chose blink. So when I blink, uh, that's like a like a click on the screen. So and if you, if you look over to the left edge of the screen or look over to the right edge of the screen, you go backward and forward, look down to the lower like almost like a hot corner, the lower right hand corner, and that's like where your home button will appear. Um, and you can blink there to go back to the home. And he's got a little sort of a pseudo um, a desktop there of some apps, uh, just their web links actually. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a cool little concept. It's it's uh, currently free on the App Store, um, and it's fun to play around with. Like, the, but you'll see in the threads that uh, again, you have to read, read through the threads, folks. But uh, many people had uh, a bit of trouble with it. I I kind of went through the calibration a few times myself to to sort of get it to the point where it kind of worked. Um, it only only supported on iPhone 10s and uh, on the 10s Max, of course, um, because you need uh, you need the true depth camera on the front of your phone. But yeah, it's like it's almost like um, if you watch a little video he's got a, on his clip, it's it looks like how VoiceOver kind of works, where things get highlighted as you look at them. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool uh, little technology using your eyeballs to navigate on your screen, which is cool. I mean, it'll be great for accessibility uh, users, right? But uh, yeah, it's fun to play with. Maybe an interesting thing about uh, like an interesting inter- interface for games as well, right? Yeah, hmm, so that's hadn't, it. hadn't, hadn't huh? thought about that. Yeah, you could use you could instead of uh, it's where you look, go where the puck is going, right? <laughs> look where the puck is going. Look where you want the puck to go. How about that? Um, yeah, so that's cool. And the other the other one I, I saw, and I'll, I'll see if I can find a, a link in the show notes. It was about a, it was a blog on blog post on Medium about uh, UI testing, but uh, I didn't get a chance to go through it, and I've lost the link. On, I can't remember which device it was on. I was looking at might have been the one at work, which isn't on the iCloud. Otherwise, I would have been able to find it. I would think. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the name of that tune. That's my pick. All right, well, I guess that's it for the week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you onto interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right, and Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right, and my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. This concludes another intriguing, insightful, and inquisitive episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm friend of the show and sometimes host, Greg Heo. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find all the details on how to help us out on our website. That's mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, eh?
Well, Jaime, did you see um, Gwyneth Paltrow dressed up in an Iron Man suit today? No, I didn't. This is Halloween related? No. This is for uh, uh, Avengers 4. Oh. Did, did she come out it? today? No, there's a picture of her in her uh, Iron Man suit. Is she in the movie? Um, she's Tony Stark's girlfriend in, in the movie. Oh, okay. Well, have you seen Avengers 3 yet, Mark? Avengers 3? Infinity well, War. Uh, no, I don't think I saw that one. Oh, well, then we can't, we can't discuss it any further. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a major spoiler. Ah. Mm-hmm. We'll let you uh, watch it on iTunes or whatever you're going to watch it on by having around and seeing it. Yeah, I'll watch it one of these days. There have been so many of these movies that I've, I just lose track. So I'm going to see uh, Generation X. Who the heck? Oh, is that the, um, yeah, the, let me guess here. Is that um, uh, Steve Vai and company? Yeah. Is it Steve Vai or was it Satriani? One of those two. Well, they, they're both both in the thing together. It's like, this used to be called G3, right? Or something well, like that? Well, this is different than G3, yeah. but it's similar. Okay, it's, uh, no, it's not Satriani. It's Nuno Betancourt. Oh, right. Ingve Malmsteen, Steve mm-hmm. Vai, mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Wild. Right. And uh, I don't know what's his first name, but Avasi, who what's his first name? Uh, I don't know. But this is this is um, more than just code follow uh, follow up. <laughs> I'm sure we talked about this before. This before. Oh, I'm sure we did. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where are you seeing them? Uh, Fox Theater in Oakland. Oh, okay. Right. A little bit far, but uh, not too bad. Yeah. It's a decent place to see a show. It's it's one of those you know old movie theaters that they've converted over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always thought the sound isn't isn't amazing there. It's a little bit muddy. Right. But uh, you know, it's not it's not too bad. It's not as good as say the Warfield, mm-hmm. which is a similar kind of venue in San Francisco, but with much, much better sound and much more, much more history. Right. Right. Oh, well, I don't think you guys can hear my, I've got my WWDC jacket on and it's making rubby noises. Mm. Getting cold here in Canada. Mm. Yeah. So, um. Which year for WWDC? Uh, this would be 13. 13. Okay. 2013. Yeah. I like the logo on the front better. Well, it's done in Roman numerals for the record. Mm. <laughs> but it's got a big 13 on the back. So that was before they switched over to the Levi's denim one. Right. Yeah, this is well. They, the Levi's they went two years ago, right? This is yeah, and this past year. This this 2013 was the last time I think it was before the lottery because the 2014 was the uh, the lottery one. Mm-hmm. So this is the uh, the early birds jacket, I guess. Yeah, I think 2013 was the ill-fated year where they said, "Okay, instead of just surprise, it's available. We'll let everybody know precisely when it's available." Yeah, and yeah. the system could not handle a stampeding herd of developers trying to yeah join exactly. in. Yeah, and that was the year the East Coast people had priority, right? Because it was like no, no, no. This is the one year where we all we all ordered at the same time. Oh, oh okay. okay. Um, one p.m. for my time and ten ten a.m. for your time, mm. and you right. still was, couldn't get through. It was the year yeah. before that they that they just announced it out of the blue, and you know, yeah. one on the West Coast was still asleep. Yeah, I got my ticket at like eight thirty in the morning or something like that. Right, right. And you were, I sent you a message, but you were fast asleep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Those were the days. Yep, those days are gone forever. Unless, uh, unless, um, um. What are those guys called? You know the Ticketmaster scam guys. Um, <laughs> they have like scalpers or WWDC tickets. No, the, the, yeah, the, 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 there's a, a legal scalper thing. Oh, oh StubHub. StubHub. Unless StubHub brings it back, yeah. Mm. <laughs> those days are gone forever. I was just sitting on the couch, just working on um, updating the artwork for Device Tracker, and I looked at the clock and went, "Oh, I guess I better go record a podcast." <laughs>
Hmm. Whoops. Hmm. I was doing my uh, my iPhone um, NS Max um, screenshots. Do you have a XS XS uh, Max? Did you buy one? I have. I don't personally have one. I have a couple at the office that I bought, hmm. and a couple of tennis tennises, and then I have a ten R coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm still seeing XR. I can't can't get my head wrapped around ten R. You know? yeah. yeah. The good thing is it doesn't actually stand for anything. That's right. We found well, that officially. Yeah. But isn't it like it must be Retina or something, right? Or is it just a letter after? No, it's a letter before us, so it can't be that. Well, it's it's one down from the 10S, right? It's yeah. not quite I, as I, good, so R is one down for us. I saw a post earlier today. I didn't grab it for the show, but it was saying that the 10R is the best $250 you saved buying a phone mm. compared to the, the Max, right? Yeah, if you don't mind the LCD or LEDs, uh, LC, LED screen. Yeah. Or, no, LCD. Yeah. It's not an OLED, right? So it's, if you don't mind that screen, then... That's so, like, you know, 2017. Yeah. You know? It is, yeah. No, 2016, right? Because the uh, the 10 was last year. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, 2016. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was talking to the Apple lady, I had to buy a couple of um, phones yesterday, and so I was at the, at the Apple store, and um, and yeah, we were just talking about the 10R coming out, and, and I just sort of said, like, she says, like, yeah, if you don't mind the screen. I'm like, yeah, well, it's like the, that's what the standard was last year, right, or two years ago. So, by the way, no Skydios at the Apple Eaton, store, Eaton Center store yet. Really? Nope. Did you ask? I, went, I didn't ask. I, I, I yeah. I meant to ask, but then I had to, you know, go grab some stuff and mm-hmm. forgot by the time I, you know, and then I had trouble with my Visa card. Long story, but yeah. Hmm. Yep. Well, it's possible that they did have one and the box was just kind of, you know, in a place that wasn't obvious. No, uh, no. They put, the, they, they only have very little shelf space there. And I, I went over to, I did actually go to the, where the drones are. And, okay. Uh, and you didn't see it? Yeah. No. Uh, I, uh, I, and I, I did double take. They had that DJI one or the other one. Yeah. The DJI. Know. That's a competition. Yeah. 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 They had that one there and it, you know, it yeah. looked a little dog-eared and a little dusty so i don't think it moves very quickly either so right right well we're not in every store uh it's we're just you know we're just starting out so yeah we're in a limited number of stores but yeah. we're on amazon now too are you oh cool yep, as of this week mm-hmm. nice you can do a uh an amazon search and there we are they'll still soon be flying off the shelves pardon the pun no pun intended or <laughs> pun intended right <laughs> pun intended yeah yeah I got interviewed for an article, but it has, I don't know when it's coming out. It's supposed to be this week, I think. What's the article? Um, it was is about uh, about um, corporate, uh, about you know, agile. What do you call it? agile factory management and iOS and how it's transforming things. But it was um, um, some people from CA. I don't know what they stand for, but uh, they're sort of big in enterprise uh, software, and we we do use them CA at the bank. I didn't. I don't particularly know what we use it for, so I couldn't really answer that question for them. But we was talking about uh, that. But they found us through the podcast. So they found me through the podcast. Um, yeah. So they talked a little bit about the show and not much, but a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that's coming out any day now. Let's see here. I'm trying to find, maybe you could go speak at one of these agile conferences. What? Really? There's nothing. <laughs> I don't know where, <laughs> I know I've, I have seen some agile conferences that are like in cool places uh, that mm. maybe you could go speak to if people, if people are finding you on this very show and sure. say, Hey, he works for one of our, you know, our, um, uh, our customers. Why don't we go see if we can chat him up? Yeah. Yeah. I still have a couple of ideas for, talks one is one is about not being a dick during uh peer reviews right yeah. <laughs> that and, feel and like that's an evergreen topic <laughs> yeah well and the other one is still about this neuroplasticity stuff and i've been using that quite a bit and you know so and i've been practicing what what i learned in the summer when i wrote that other article and it certainly does help just accelerate your learning a bit well, i guess not so much accelerate it but it basically it helps it cement better right mm-hmm. so yeah i've been I'm practicing some guitar stuff using it learning new songs and things like that and it's i'm making my 
much better progress than I am this way than I was in my old, you know, marathon style and, you know, taking it a little bit at a time. It's, you know, like they say, practice, 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 right? But in, in smaller chunks, it's true with new concepts and stuff. Maybe you but can learn the, um, I guess it's more of a banjo than it is like a guitar, but you probably mm-hmm. fake the, um, the Beverly Hillbillies theme song <laughs> yeah. to catch my reference to the Texas T. Oh, right. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas T. Well, I have this, I have this app called Rocksmith, right? It's, it's like, I got it in 2013. It's now it, the latest version is 2014. And it, the only, my only complaint about it, it has some latency issues, but it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, rock band, but you're using real instruments. Like you use a real guitar and you plug in with a patch cord into your PlayStation and, or your Mac or your, you know, Xbox. And, um, they, it's, it's like they, you, you learn a song and they, they fire the notes at you in a forward fashion like they do in, you know, like the, they come towards the screen and, uh, they land on the, they're color coded based on the string you're going to use and stuff like that. So I've been using that to learn some bass stuff, you know, cause you, you mm. can do lead guitar, rhythm or bass, right? So I got that Rickenbacker for, uh, for my birthday. And so I've been practicing, learning new songs on bass and learning new, some new things about it and kind of cool. It's, I mean, I have a few complaints about it cause it doesn't really, it's not, doesn't teach you much music theory as opposed to learning to play songs by sight, you know, kind of thing. But, um, you know, like you go from, but it's, I've been, I've been doing that a couple of nights, a couple of hours every night. So that's fun. Interesting way to learn. What's the name of it? Rocksmith. It's an app, you said, or a, or it's a web? it's a, it's a it's a game for um. You can play it on your Mac. You can play it on Windows. You can play it on um, Xbox or a PlayStation. I have it on PlayStation, mm. and it comes with a patch cord, that USB patch cord, right? Mm. And so you plug your your guitar into your USB port on your your whatever computer you're using, and then it, yeah, it uses your TV screen or whatever to, to like uh, like just like Rock Band. You know how Rock Band the music comes, mm. like the Tap Tap and what were those those early apps from um you know that the uh, I haven't seen one of those apps in a long time now that I think about it. You know, the ones where the notes fall down and you tap them on the screen when they cross a certain line? Yeah. yeah. Like tap, 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 uh, tap, tap Revenge or something. Yeah, yeah. They were bought by Disney back in the day. Yep. Tapulous yep. was the company. Tapulous, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. The same sort of concept as that, you know? And it's, a, you know, and you can buy, you can buy song packs and it comes with, you know, a number of fairly decent songs and nothing really, nothing really awful. But, um, like, I think uh, the very first song that they give you on, uh, on the first version of the app was um, um, Satisfaction by the Stones, which is a pretty easy song to learn. But, you know, but yeah, it's interesting that they've got this whole bass, bass track, right? I can just learn to play bass and, mm. and then they have lessons and there's like session modes where you can play with, you know, virtual instruments or there's a, um, I, don't, I don't know if this is like an online mode for playing with other people, but you can, you can get two patch chords and, you know, play with a buddy. Like one of you can play bass and one can play lead and mm-hmm. so on and so forth or two, you know, rhythm and lead or whatever. Yeah, it's cool. And I know some people on, that I follow on Twitter who have, who got it and, and learned to play guitar from scratch using it, right? Hmm. So, yeah. But it's good if you want to learn some technique and stuff as well. Yep. I mean, it's it, it, the, the expense of it is the cable. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I bought the version I have now for what was on sale at PlayStation Store, but I already had the cable from because I had the previous version, so... Mm-hmm. What kind of cable is it? It's just a... Is it a mid? Uh, I don't know if it's just a whatever, but it's it's like a patch cable that, that goes to a um, USB port. But I'm, I think there's a little chip in the cord as well, right? Is it, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it just uses... Audio? No, I guess it must. Maybe it does use audio. Hmm. I don't, I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure what the magic is, but uh, or or how the songs 
or compose because it would be interesting to see like uh, if there was a way to like an SDK or something where you could write you know the music yourself and mm. you know, teach or learn how to use it or teach people how to use it right so I don't know if it's it's still being maintained or whatever it's from Ubisoft right mm-hmm. I think they're more about uh, playing dragons and stuff right they do all sorts <laughs> of, uh, of video games <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah there's I mean there's I would expect there'd be not more it's probably all rights based stuff like reason why there, you can't get just any song you want right but there's there are there are packages I haven't bought any songs but there are Patrick packages of songs out there so to try out like there's some yes stuff and there's some YouTube stuff and you know Tom Petty and Rush those are maintained locally when you when you purchase access to them yeah well I think they're they're either down I think they're downloaded to the drive on the on the on the thing like again you can't play it without the disc and the I mean like it is 2018 you still have to put a disc in the in the reader to play it kind of dumb sure but there are there are upsides to that so I, I can't remember if it was rock band or guitar hero mm-hmm. but one version of those had like a um, subscription sort of model to it yeah. and you could add all sorts of different songs to your your list but the servers are going away so there are people who are very grumpy that their your game is suddenly has a library that's been significantly reduced right, to right. presumably whatever was on the original disc mm-hmm. something to be said for having a physical media that you can hang on to yeah oh um semi follow-up mark remember I, I got all happy and said oh maybe i'll get the dallas cowboys game um, out of market for cbs all access turns out yeah, that's not yeah. the case as i had to sadly watch the la rams and the arizona cardinals oh yeah um in pretty decent hd it was it was nice quality but it wasn't it wasn't a sneaky wasn't way to game. go through yeah so, too bad cbs all access taking taking my money for those short tricks yeah because i can't wait <laughs> isn't murphy brown on too or something like that i could watch murphy brown in in hd it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it sounds like uh, maybe I won't need to. Yeah, I, I I watched a couple of episodes. I used to watch that show when it was first on, and and it's you know you know stick a fork in it, it's done. What yeah. about um you know we we talked maybe not on this show maybe this was on on Spock cost we ended up talking about mm-hmm. but but I'll cross over here. So remember the uh, earlier this year when the uh, Roseanne continuation occurred? Yeah, yeah. And then Roseanne said some very terrible things and they she? canceled the show. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they just came back with the Connors, the continuation yes. of that continuation without yep. Roseanne. And uh, I haven't heard any um, uh, like critical response. Like, I don't know how well received or not it, it was not was or wasn't. Well, I watched two episodes of that yesterday. It start, I think it started last week. And um, and it, I think my PVR just picked it up automatically. And uh, Or I can't remember if I programmed it in the summer or whatever. But not bad. I mean, it's um, you know, it's, it's the same sort of writing people. It is very strange to sort of uh, to not have Roseanne and the crew, but uh, but it, it's actually enjoyable. So does it still carry on despite missing the, the title character from the original show? Yeah, well, it's no longer called the title character show, right? It's called The Connors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, uh, but if you had, like, I don't know, um, like... like Sarah, Sarah Gilbert, is that her name? Um, the daughter? Darlene? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. So, mm-hmm. so she, she's like, you know, she's the one that brought it back and and, uh, and it does, um, it has Johnny Galecki on it and, um, you know, all the characters from the original show. Um, the the original daughter, the original older sister, right? Or younger sister? I can't remember if she's older or younger. Um, I guess she's the older one. Yeah. Yeah, it's harder to tell now that they're not little kids anymore and they're both adult women. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah. Becky is the older daughter. Becky, right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's passable. It's it's 
it's it's got it has its moments, you know. Jackie's pretty funny on it in the last couple of episodes. Sheldon's mom, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that young Sheldon show still on TV? Yeah, that's pretty good. That Big Bang Theory still on TV too. I haven't watched that in years. Yeah, this is the last season. It's going away. Yeah. It's had a long life, kind of kind of a long quiet life. I would yeah. say it's kind of akin to King of the Hill, which had like thirteen seasons or something insane that you would never guess. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple episodes of Doctor Who to catch up on. Yeah, and you see episode two and three. I think just came out last night. Are I you watching up. those on uh, on um, iTunes or something or uh, through Amazon? So I'll I'll go get the oh, season pass for the SD version, which is way cheaper. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I've also got uh, already watched a couple episodes last night to catch up on Supergirl because that's one of my um, guilty pleasure yeah. sort of shows. Um, actually, this season for like normal TV stuff, one of my guilty pleasures is New Amsterdam, and oh, it's yeah? not yeah, and, and not because it's good. I'm not don't go like oh, Sony Smokes better add that to the PVR. Um, <laughs> it just sort of amuses me because I'm like, all right, I bet you this is going to happen. Watch this dude's got such and such problem, or watch like it turns yeah. out this this lady is the mom of this other dude. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's totally right, and it it uh, it has a very similar effect that I've talked about where uh, you know I'll go see something like Pacific Rim or uh, Stealth mm-hmm. back in the day. It's like oh, that's that's a popcorn movie. You just turn off your brain, eat your popcorn, you know, watch explosions happen, watch giant robots punch giant monsters in the face. This is like that. <laughs> but at a very micro scale and, and less, um, it's more relaxing. The fact that it comes on at like 10 PM is actually a pretty good time. Cause it's sort of a way to ease your brain down from the, the hectic day and like have some drama. Like, Ooh, is that Ebola? I don't know. Let's find out if terrorism is involved. Um, so what's, what's, sort the of gist of it? what's it? It's like a cop show or a medical show or what's the story? It's, it, it's a, it's funny that you guessed one of the two main things it could hypothetically be <laughs> given it's on national television. It's either yeah. a cop show, a law show, a, a medical show. Um, this is a medical show where uh, you have this this failing hospital. I guess it, it must be based on a real hospital because I have heard of New Amsterdam before. Well, New um, Amsterdam is the original name in New York, isn't it? I think. I think. I'm, I'm probably horribly wrong, but it sounds about right. And this guy is sort of a, a maverick who takes over as the uh, medical director mm-hmm. and uh, he's changing up everything. He's like, you know, fire the, the surgical, the heart surgeon staff because they were just billing and they weren't actually treating people. And what do you need? Oh, we need such and such. All right, you got it. Oh, can yeah. we actually help our patients? Yeah, go for it. You, you've probably seen the the commercials, the trailers like a million times. So they, they've definitely over promoted it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it comes along. It's sort of a, a nice, um, again, just sort of like turn off my brain, enjoy something mildly amusing. Uh, I amuse myself trying to guess what the, the twist or drama is going to be. So like I said, guilty pleasure. It's, it's like... Um, it's like uh, what I said. Roseanne was like mac and cheese. This is like um, it's like just eating lard. <laughs> it's, like, it's like putting putting your thumb in the bacon grease and just like eating. You know, right? So, real time follow up. New Amsterdam is the 17th century Dutch settlement established in the southern tip of Manhattan Island and served as the seat of the colonial government of New Netherland until um, it was captured by the British in 1664 by the Duke of York and renamed it New York. So there you go. Yeah. The the Dutch, the Dutch were everywhere. I have no idea why, you know, when people think of uh, colonial powers that yeah. are historical and you should uh, revere or be very angry at for reasons that people usually think of, you know, the Spanish, the British, or the English, the yeah. French. Uh, nobody ever talks about the Dutch, even though they were in well, a they, ton they of Well, they started the, cu- the current currency market or whatever, money markets, didn't they? Trading tea or something like that? No idea, but they were everywhere from the New World to Japan, and it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they, they did that sort of thing. They were like the... Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the Dutch East Indies Company was... Right, famous ones, and all of Indonesia and and Malaysia were were Dutch colonies. I think Malaysia, Indonesia for sure. Yeah, 
yeah. the Dutch colony. Reading here on the Wikipedia. I think they got off to a later start than everywhere else. So a lot of the good stuff was kind of taken by the time they got involved. Mm-hmm. So they had to go further out. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they got New York, but no. Well, they got New Amsterdam. Well, yeah. They got it taken away from them by the British. Right. But like, the place where New York is is now. I don't know how they got that. Yeah, yeah but I do, I do remember something, and it was like I wasn't a big history buff back when I was a kid, but I do remember something about the Dutch Empire being where our current monetary system came from, maybe? Or I think here. Yeah, it says here, because European trading companies often lack the capital or manpower for large-scale operations. Hmm. Who knew? Where are they now? They're still there. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's it, it sort of got renamed Holland, and then it expanded in ways that are mysterious to me, just like the UK is mysterious to me, uh, to be the Netherlands, even yeah. though the people usually refer to themselves as being Dutch, and quite yeah. often say they're from Holland. Yeah. Still still there. They're, they're looking at their, their trading history, they sort of strike me as being the, it's weird to call them the modern times Phoenicians, but they're way more modern than the Phoenicians, even though they're hundreds of years away from us in terms of when they started doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, and I'll, I'll ask my fiance about it, there's some sort of um, zone, like an economic trading zone in Nagasaki in Japan that has a bunch of um, Dutch style architecture. And it's just like a, a sister city relationship, I think, between Nagasaki and Amsterdam, if I'm not mistaken. I'll ask her more about it, but it, it, it did hmm. shock and surprise. Like, oh, really? The Dutch were there? Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia, there are 29 colonies in the Dutch Empire, including the United States. You guys were once owned by the Dutch. It was Canada, though, so I should talk. <laughs> yeah, the Dutch East Indian Company was the, the biggie. Early mega corporation, it says here. The Dutch East Indian, Indian Company was an early mer- modern mega corporation founded by the government. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so they, I think they, they invented what we currently talk of as a business today. Or trade, anyway, I guess, right? It's all about the tea, mm. the spice. It's all about the spice, eh, Mark? <laughs> the spice must flow? The... Yeah. The spice That's must flow. One. Uh-oh, Mojave wants to update, or I should say, um, Icera wants to update to Mojave, and I'm unclear. Maybe I hit details. I don't want to install this right now. Yeah, I, okay. you know, I haven't had one single problem with Mojave since I upgraded. That's good to hear. I mean, you know, I think I know I was complaining about it a couple of weeks ago, but there's some weirdness, but it's been uh, pretty stable compared to other... There's always, a you know, some sort of surprise or something. That, oh, I think a few apps are just complaining about it, but uh, that's about it. Pretty pretty good. Yeah, I'll have to find some downtime to do that in my little upgrade. Yeah. All right, folks. I think it's time to say bye-bye. All right. Mark can go watch his post-game wrap-up and whatever. Oh, that's done. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys later, All I guess. Right. Talk to you later. Right, and stuff. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.